Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, January the 25th, 2024. It is currently 9.03 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a situation in your life where a book showed up? You, 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 you encountered a book, like it showed up, maybe the first time you saw it was in a bookstore. It showed up in someone's house. You, you, it just, you had some encounter with a book and then it just kept showing up over and 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 over again. And maybe you picked it up. Maybe you tried to read it. Maybe, maybe you never really gave it enough time of day. You didn't give it really the time of day. Maybe for some reason you didn't connect with it, whatever. But for some reason, the book kept reappearing. Well, there's a a specific book that I've had that experience with. Now, I can't, I believe, I believe the very first time I encountered the book, it was on a bookshelf at the uh, Bible bookstore, Abilene, Texas, Butternut Street. I was a teenager. And that's the first time I encountered the book. I didn't understand what it was. I didn't know who it was. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, but there it was. And the, the name of this book, the name of this book, in fact, let me pull up my notes really quick because it has many names, but the name that we, that I will, will go with because it is the name I knew the book for a good portion a good portion of my life, and then later on realized it had numerous names. The name of the book was Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. Now, the title immediately fascinated me and caught my attention, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a relatively new Christian, and I'm like, ooh, what is, okay, I want to experience the depths of Jesus Christ, because at that time in my Christian life, it was all, I mean, I hate to say it in many ways, I kind of, I don't know if I would have articulated it in such a fleshly way, but there was this mindset that I'm going to read more. I'm going to know more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to witness more. I'm going to do everything more. I'm going to memorize more scripture. I'm going to study more. I'm going to listen to more sermons. I'm going to read more books. I'm going to know more theology. It was almost like I was going to, I was going to experience the depths of everything. I was going deeper in every single area. Nobody was going to have a thing on me. No, but I was going to be, I hate to say it, I almost, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the best at this. And everyone's going to be amazed at how good I am at that. Maybe there was almost, I don't know if I would have articulated it in such a fleshly way, but the point is there was this kind of, there was a mentality there in me. So when I first stumbled upon this book, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ, I was like, wow, okay, I, I want this, right? I, I need to understand this. Now, I don't know when I first purchased a copy. I don't know. That's where it's a little mysterious for me. Then the book started showing up at the high school. Um, I don't know why, but it was teenage girls. And there were a number of teenage girls who had the book Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ and they were, you know, they would talk about it or they would have a, you know, writ- or had something written down maybe in a notebook or a journal. And so there were, there were certain girls that I knew who had the book and, but I don't know if they really understood it. I didn't really understand it, but this book just kept showing up. The next time I think I encountered the book was in a dorm room at Angelo State University. I think is the next time I encountered the book. I think I can't remember exactly. Um, but again, it was another, it was another person who had the book and, uh, and I, I just over and over and over, someone would have this book. Oh, oh, and I just kept encountering it over and over. And I think typically it was females. I think, and I, I think, I think inevitably it was always females who had the book. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was always females. I'm I'm really trying to, I think it always was. I don't know why. I think it was always females who had the book. 
Then, so then I, and so I kind of had this like, and I never really, like, I, the book kept showing up, but I never really got anywhere in it. I think I would start reading it and not really understanding it, a little bit confused by it, a little perplexed, not really understanding exactly what I, I, I was just confused by it. I, I, I knew that it was a book from the 1600s. I knew that the person was Catholic. I didn't understand Catholic mysticism at the time or what a Catholic mystic was. Okay. But I didn't know a lot about that. Uh, and so I, I, I still tried to process it. And I think, you know, uh, I think in, in some ways, maybe I just moved on. I, I think maybe it, it was, you know, it showed up on my bookshelf. Maybe it was in boxes. I, I don't, I don't remember. I, and, you know, there was a lot going on in my life, obviously. And then, um, you know, I'm not going to go back through, you know, everything that happened to me at that time, you know, death of my mother, psychiatric hospital, all the things that happened. Right. And then I end up in the United States military. And then I get stationed at Offutt Air Force Base, Omaha, Nebraska. And the church I end up there is in Papillion, Nebraska, Twin Cities Baptist Church. And Twin Cities Baptist Church has a Bible Institute, which I become a student. In Papillion, Nebraska, there was a, a Bible bookstore or a Christian bookstore called Divine Truth Bookstore. And at Divine Truth Bookstore, once again, guess what shows up on the shelf? Prominently displayed, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. Once again, there's the book. There's the book. There's the book. There's the book. And I'm, again, fascinated by it. So I think I purchased, if I remember, I purchased a copy. And I remember getting into discussions with the people at the Bible Institute. I think I bought it at lunchtime, took it back to class and people, what's that? Why would you get that? Isn't she Catholic? What did it blah, 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 blah. And I kept saying, look, there, there's, I think there's something. I still didn't really understand the history or the significance of the book, but I kept thinking, I think there's something here. Maybe we should at least like try to understand it or try to read it. But I was basically told it's a waste of time. It's stupid. It's Catholic. Who cares? Right. And I was like, wow. Whatever, whatever. And then <laughs> something funny happened, right? So we're in, so it's an independent fundamental Baptist church. There's a guest speaker. He's someone kind of big in the independent fundamental Baptist world. Everyone is excited that he's there. And so he's there and he's preaching and he's talking about a commitment to Christ, a devotion to Christ, giving your full heart and soul to Christ. And then he mentions the book experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. And immediately everyone looked at me and I'm like, I told you, I tried to tell you, I tried to tell you. And then he mentions the author, Madame Jean Guyon. And I'm, I'm hopefully I'm saying her name correctly. Madame Jean Guyon. And he talked about that, even though she was Catholic, talked about some of the things she did to show her devotion to Christ and that, that, you know, she was a fascinating character and that the book Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ is considered a, a classic. And I never, I'm looking at everybody like, I tried to tell you, I tried to, I tried, I, see, I told you, right? I told you. And so, and I, nobody really knew what, what to say other than like, well, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe when there's a book, instead of just acting that way, you could, you know, we could actually like read it and talk like I thought we could read it and talk about it and discuss it but you know you know whatever so I, I don't think any of them ever bought it or cared about it they just kind of blew it off like that's you know who cares who cares that this person that we were all excited to hear mentioned it who cares and I think if anyone in that church if anyone did purchase the copy, I can almost 100% guarantee it was not a man, it was a woman. I Once again, I don't know why women, were, maybe women were drawn to it because it was written by Madame Jean Guyon, by a female. Maybe that's why, okay? And uh, Siri is trying to talk to me there, okay? I don't know why, all right, but that's okay. So um, so uh, I, I don't know what it is, but... The book has just, it just keeps showing up and it keeps showing up and it keeps showing up and it, and it continues. In fact, if you look for, if you look for a copy of the book, let me go back here to, I have at least one website pulled up that they're, they're selling a copy of the book. 
All right. And this is the, and this is the copy. This is the edition that I first saw. It's got this right, almost like a dark blue purple border going around the edges. Right. Then there's a little like, um, I don't know what you would call it, like a little box. And it's got like, it looks like you're going into a cave or a tunnel, like you're going down into the depths. And then uh, the the background of it is kind of like a, I don't know, not a grayish color, kind of a brownish color maybe. But all the words are in this dark blue, almost purple, royal blue color. And it says, Jean Guyon, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ, one of the greatest Christian writings of all time. Library of Spiritual Classics, Volume 2. And that's the copy that I kept seeing in bookstore. It didn't matter if I was in Texas. If we we were in Tennessee, I, I remember going to Christian bookstore, seeing it in Tennessee. Wherever I went, I kept stumbling upon. This book was everywhere. And this is their description. Experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ, Jean Guyon has brought many people to a deeper walk with Jesus Christ and an understanding of the indwelling Christ. She leads the reader to find Christ where he is within our spirit. Jean Guyon wrote Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ around 1685. For over 300 years, this book has led untold number of Christians to the riches of fellowship with Jesus. Now, I, I have never truly understood completely why this is another one of those books that's clearly in the realm of Catholicism. It's clearly in the Catholic realm, but it transcended that and entered into the more of the Protestant world. I mean, even the independent fundamental Baptist world. And they were as opposed to Catholicism as you could get. Many of the many of the Christian bookstores didn't really carry anything Catholic, but there would be the experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ by Madame Jean Guyon. It would show up over and 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 over. And to this day, I don't know why I kept coming in contact with it. And to this day, I'm just going to be honest, I've never truly really... I never really knew what to do with it, right? I never really like, I would hear people say, man, if you would read this book, you will, you'll, your Christian life. And I would hear maybe words of testimony or words about it of great praise. But it was one of those books that I was always like, I just don't get it. I don't get what is the big deal about this book? It's, it's, it's very similar to me. The famous devotional by Oswald Chambers, I think Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. Right? Is that the name of it? I believe it is. Hang on, I don't want to. I don't want to give you wrong information. My utmost for his, yeah, Oswald Chambers. All right, uh, yeah, my utmost for his highest. Um, it's a Christian devotional by Oswald Chambers that compiles his preaching to students and soldiers. Chambers' uh, widow self-published the book um, in 1924. I cannot tell you. How many times I've been told my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers, the greatest devotional ever written. Every Christian should read it. Every Christian. And I don't know how many times I'm like, okay, I'm going to start the year with my utmost for his highest by Oswald Chambers. I'm going to go through the whole devotional and I'd make it like not even through January. And I'll be like, I don't get this. Why is this thing considered good? Why is this thing considered? What is the deal with this thing? Now, I, I do know this. Countless times in my Christian life, I've heard people talking about, oh, this is the greatest book. This is the most amazing book. This book will transform your life. And then I get the book and I read it. And then I go back to the people who talked a big thing and I start asking questions and it kind of becomes obvious. I don't think they actually even read the book. They were just repeating what everyone else says about the book. You're supposed to love the book. You're supposed to think it's great. You're supposed to think it's wonderful. Like whatever. So yeah, that's another one I've never truly grasped. I mean, uh, morning and evening, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Now, there are some good things in it, but sometimes it's maddening what he's doing to those scriptures. He, sometimes he's taking phrases and ripping them so far out of context. Sometimes it drives me crazy. But if you criticize, you're not, you're not supposed to criticize it. You know, no, no, shh, shh. You just, you just accept that it's the greatest thing ever, right? And I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Now, now, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ was always one of those that I would hear from some how great it was. 
But for others, I'd be told, oh, how, how, why would you read such a thing like that? It's so horrible. It's Catholic and it's written by a woman. What are you doing? How dare you get away from that? And so, so in some ways, the criticisms of it drove me more. Maybe it made, made, made me, maybe because I heard some of that such negativity towards it or, or a shrug of the shoulders, like we don't care attitude to towards it. Maybe it made me much more aware of it, right? Because sometimes when you hear people criticizing, sometimes if something is kind of involved in that, you notice it more, right? So maybe because of that, it just felt like every time I went into a Christian bookstore, there it is. There it is. There is, you know, Madame Jean Guyon. There it is. There it is. There it is. Experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. There it is. There it is. There it is. And it, it, it turned out to be everywhere I looked. And maybe only because I was much more aware of it. I could be wrong, but it, it was there. So I, the, I don't even know what day it was. Not, it was, it was recently. I don't even know what sparked the thought I don't even know, I, I don't remember how it all fell in place. But once again, oh, I was looking at experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. In fact, I bought a collection of writings by Madame Jean Guyon. And in this collection, there's uh, seven books in this collection. And number two is called A Short and Very Easy Method of Prayer. A short and very easy method of prayer, which is also known as experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. They say the English translation originally appeared in spiritual progress or instructions in the divine life of the soul. Right. Uh, and then it says from Madame Guyon. Now they, they leave her uh, uh, first name out of it, but there we go. Uh, a French Catholic mystic. Now here's a little bit about her, just a little bit of information, just a little bit of information about the book here, just a little bit more about the book. Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ is a book written by Madame Jean Guyon, a French mystic and spiritual writer who lived in the 17th century. The book presents her teachings on Christian spirituality and offers guidance for experiencing a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Now that, of course, is the part that fascinated me, right? Because I kept... Saying, okay, if there, if, if, if you can have like, because to me, I kept hearing this kind of concept, right? I kept hearing this kind of concept and, and different areas of Christianity. And it would go something like this, that you can grow, you can have a deeper relationship with God. You can have a more fuller relationship with God, a more committed relationship with God. You can, you can, you can, be more committed to him. Be, you can be a, a, a committed disciple. And there, there was always like, there's that, like, here's the Christian life, but there's something more. And you don't want to just be like the, like the average Christian. The average Christian can just kind of take it or leave it. They kind of come to church. Uh, they, they don't really care much about doctrine or theology. They're not doing Bible studies. They're not reading theology. They're not really listening to sermons when they're away from church. They just get, maybe they'll read their Bible a little bit. There's just, but I mean, it's like they show up to church church, but they don't really do anything else. And then, the, but then there's this other level, this next level. And then, and so anything that talked about like this next level, this deeper level, I always was like, well, how do I get there? How do I get there? Now we could talk about that whole concept, right? Is there a deeper level? And what does that mean? And why do many never pursue it, desire it, find it? So it, you can see where I would be like at least drawn to it to a, a certain level. The history here is Jean Guyon experienced a profound spiritual transformation in her life marked by a deep longing for union with God. She began to write and teach about her spiritual experience and insights, which eventually led to the publication of Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ in 1685. The book is divided into four parts, each addressing different aspects of the Christian journey towards union with God. The key is you want to try to pursue union with God. You want to enter into a, like a full union with God. You want to get there. You want to experience it. Now, when I, again, when I was younger, 
there, now, let me, let me be very fair here. Let me be very fair here. Let me be very transparent here, okay? Because I don't want you to misunderstand this. I don't want you to, to get the wrong impression. There were times where I wanted to know what this meant, this deeper relationship, this deeper experience, this union with God, this, this level of commitment that went beyond anything else that the average Christian would ever know. And there were times I wanted that. There's times I would desire that. It was, it was, it was not too uncommon to find me as a teenager, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, maybe sitting in front of Holy Family Catholic Church right here on Buffalo Gap Road, uh, Sacred Heart had, has uh, sometimes they would leave the doors open for the chapel and for the sanctuary. Now they have like a twenty four seven chapel open, and I would just go and sit in it, or or just sometimes walk around a church outside at maybe midnight, one in the morning, just going, you know, if there's a God out there. How can I have like this deeper, like, what can I do? And I always felt torn, right? I always felt like this, I always felt this conflict, right? Like there would be times I'd be like, I just want to give, and, and, and this is just how conflicted I was. I just want to give up everything. Like just maybe, you know, maybe become a Catholic or you know, become a monk or join a monastery where I can just give every waking hour to nothing but that, nothing but that. And then it would be like, I want this. I want to pursue it. I want to desire it. This is what I want. Forget the world. The world has nothing for me. I don't want anything in it. I don't want anything in it. Just let it all burn. I don't care, right? I I, I want this because I know the world is trash. I know the world is garbage. But then there would be another part of me It'd be Friday afternoon, you know, two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm at the mall buying an outfit because I cannot wait to get home, shower, change, and be sitting at the club at 7 p.m. waiting for the doors to open before anyone else even got to the club. I got to, I, I did it the uncool way. You're supposed to not get there until the dance floor's already, I wanted there as soon as the doors opened. So I had the dance floor to myself and I got to know the DJs and I bought music for the, for the, for the club and get to go into the DJ booth and learn to mix and do, and, and I was all over the dance floor and, and girls said I could dance. And then I was like, that's what I want. That's what I want. And then, but then sometimes when the club was over, I'd be like midnight one in the morning, I'd be like, but, I want this. And I, there was this great conflict, this great battle in between. Like there's things in the world I really love, but man, what if there is a God? What if I could just give myself in a powerful, like in-depth way to it? What, what would that look like? What would that mean? And, and I never, I don't know if I ever came to a good resolution there, right? I don't know if I ever figured it out. I know, I know that church, no, this is negative. Church, in many cases, almost led me to a, I became frustrated with church and kept frustrated with its politics and fighting and bickering. And then once, but then when I kind of got, I left all of that. And then when I ended up at my, the first independent fundamental Baptist church, there was a part there. I'm like, okay, finally, I found, I think I found it. I found it. And then you kind of realize, no, this is not it. And then, and then all of the fighting and bickering and backstabbing and gossip and slander. Church, church almost made me give up on all of that. Like not wanting anything to do with any of it. Like, like almost a negative concept, which is always a sad thing. I think that, that duality, that, that two almost seeming schizophrenic, I think, I think it's inside all of us to some level, right? Sometimes it's like just, hey, I don't, there's not, I don't want anything in this world. It can all, it can all burn. It can all go away. I don't, I don't care. I want, I want, I want, I want something more. So I, I, I can, I can remember going back and forth, but it was this book over and over and over experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ. But what, but the book more was the book for me never, and I know this is going to sound weird. 
The book itself, I never got far into the book. It was more like the book gave me this idea of, and I almost created my own idea. What it, what does it mean to have a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be in union with God? What does it mean to be in perfect fellowship with God? What does it mean? What does it look like? And I cannot speak on every copy of it. But I believe this verse is on in every copy. I believe this verse is in every copy. At least I believe it is. All right. So if I'm looking at the Kindle version, now this is a collection of books by Madame Jean uh, Guion, Madame Jean Guion, I should say. And it says a short and very easy method of prayer, which all can practice with the greatest facility, a faculty, I should say. So a short and very easy method of prayer with which all can uh, practice with the greatest faculty and arrive in a short time by its means at a high degree of perfection. And I click the page and then it says 1648 to 1717. 1648 to 1717. I'm believing that's the years Madame Guyon lived, I believe. I, I, I think that's what that stands for. And then it has this. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, if you don't know where that comes from, that comes from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. We read in verse 1, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And so I, at least at certain parts of my Christian life, was like, okay, to experience the depths of Jesus Christ, if I truly want to experience the depths of Jesus Christ, this is my brain, this is the way my brain was thinking, then guess what I have to do? I need to walk before God and I must be perfect. If I will walk before him, that's living every, the way I thought about that, walking before him means waking up every day, living my life before him, for him, in his presence, with my focus, my attention, and my will towards him, not towards anything else, and then do that and be thou perfect, then I can experience the depths of Jesus Christ. So without even getting into the book, I already had a presupposition. If I want the depths, I have to be, per I have to walk before him and I have to be perfect. I didn't care about the, I didn't care about anything else. I'm like, I, that's what I must do. That's what I must do. Which then set me on this cycle of total discouragement, disillusionment, depression. I, I, I don't even know any other words other, other than maybe total nervous breakdown. Because you know what I found out? I had a hard time walking before him in any meaningful way because I kept walking in my own ways, doing my own things. And be thou perfect? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, that was not happening. Like, not, even if I try to convince myself, it was not happening. So then I'm like, I'm never going to experience the depths of Jesus Christ. So then I thought maybe I could do a workaround or a bit. It would come back down. It would come back to be, walk before him and be thou perfect. I never tried to understand it in any other way. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. How do I do this? How do I do this? And then forget Madame Jean Guyon. Forget Catholic mysticism. Even if I turned to the Protestant world, it was like, walk before him, be thou perfect. That's what you're supposed to do. And if you don't do that, you're proving that you're never even saved. The more lordship I did then confounded me. And I'm like, do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I did. And I failed and I failed and I failed. And so then ultimately I developed kind of my own way of 
convincing myself that I was doing these things to a certain degree because, you know, I didn't know anything other than lordship salvation. So then I was like, okay, I got to prove that I'm saved. I got, so I would grab onto specific things and saying, see, see, I do these better than anybody else. I read more. I study more. I know theology more. I've gone to more schools than anybody else has gone to. I never miss church. I never miss Bible study. I never miss listening to sermons. I've got everyone beat. I've done it. Well, I, because I would ignore every other area of my life, which was nowhere even close to what it should be. This book, even though the book itself never really entered into me in any meaningful way, just the concept was always there. How can I have a deeper walk with God? How can I go deeper? How can I get there? And it was always this unattainable concept that I think I never could get, I I think I could only get close to, but I could not quite get there. Now, this verse in Genesis, in Genesis 17, about walk before me and be thou perfect, I, I want us to spend some time on it. I do. I was going to spend some time with it right now. In fact, I have an article right here. In fact, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save this article um, because it's a typical Protestant evangelical kind of article, which says, you can do it. You can walk before him and you can be perfect. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, obviously I have a, a view now that says, I don't think we can ever even come close to doing that. So how, how, what do we, how do we understand that? So you can, you can write that down, Genesis chapter 17, verses say one through three, if you want. And you can, you can just contemplate it yourself. And what do you do with that verse? Or do you say it has nothing to do with you? Just has something to do with Abram and like whatever. And there's other passages, right? Deuteronomy 18, 13, you shall be perfect with the Lord, your God. That's Deuteronomy 18, 13. First Kings chapter eight, verse 61, let your heart be perfect with the Lord, your God to walk in his statutes. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. There's a lot of calls in the Bible to be perfect, to be complete, to be blameless, to be, well, okay, how do I, how do I understand that? And is that the key? to experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ? Is that the key that unlocks the door? I, I, I don't know. Because the book itself, even though it showed up everywhere, never, I never really got there. I never really got there. I never, I, I, I never, I never could get past maybe the threshold. I never, and maybe because I didn't have the theological pers- perspective, Maybe I just didn't have the intellect. I don't know. It just was always this mysterious thing that I could not crack the code. And maybe I could not crack the code because I was so painfully aware of this other side of me that maybe, maybe, maybe I'm like, okay, I want to, I want the depths of Jesus Christ, but I really want this and I 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 want this. Maybe that was the issue. Maybe the fact I was a teenager, <laughs> but even after a teenager, maybe I, I never really yet could get there. It was too, it felt too slippery. It felt like I, nothing tangible. It felt theoretical. It felt hypothetical. It never felt like, give me four steps. Give me five things to do. It, I can give you somewhat of a breakdown of the book. The book is divided into four parts, as I said, right? Part one, in this section, Guyon emphasizes the importance of surrendering oneself completely to God's will. She teaches that by abandoning self-will and embracing completely complete trust in God, individuals can experience a deeper communion with Jesus Christ. See, there it is. I've got to completely abandon self-will. I've got to embrace completely a trust in God. If I can get to this complete abandonment, then I can get to the depths of Jesus Christ. 
Part two, Guyon delves into the practice of interior prayer, also known as contemplative prayer. She explains the significance of silence, solitude, stillness as means of hearing God's voice and experiencing his presence. This section also explores the concept of the inner sanctuary, a place within the soul where God dwells. And the idea is I've got to get into this inner sanctuary, and I do so through contemplative prayer, through through silence, and through all of these spiritual disciplines. Now, you know, and I know, there has been great pushback against contemplative prayer within many in the Protestant world. They say it's pagan, it's ungodly, it should be condemned and have nothing to do with it. There are others in the early church who act like contemplative prayer is the only way. You you must experience it. Now, you get into some of this, hearing God, contemplative prayer, you can, at least I I believe, and I'm not saying I can 1000% prove this historically, but I've always kind of argued that Catholic mysticism is the is the source for the modern day charismatic movement that it, that it, charismatic ideas arose from Catholic mysticism. I don't know if I can dogmatically assert that, but I definitely believe that. That's my hypothesis. Part three of the book, Guyon discusses the role of suffering and trials and the spiritual journey. She teaches that through embracing and accepting suffering, one can grow closer to Christ and experience a greater sense of his presence and love. Now, that was a, that was a major part of my early Christian experience, right? I had not been a Christian very long. And then, you know, the famous phone call or not the, well, I didn't get the phone call. The famous announcement overhead at school telling me to go to the principal's office because they had received the phone call telling me I needed to get to Hendrick Hospital on the north side of Abilene as fast as possible because something was wrong with my mom. And well, then, you know, I'm a teenager and my mom is dead. And I bet I spent 24 hours pleading and begging with God to heal my mother. 24 hours pleading and begging, pleading and begging. And no, no. And I even pleaded and begged, just let her wake up. Just let her wake up, you know, because they had not been able to pronounce her dead yet. She had an aneurysm. Just, just let her come back to consciousness so I can talk to her one time just to, to just to make things right. Nope. God wouldn't even do that. So I, between what had happened to me prior to my mother's death, everything that happens to me after my mother's death, trial and suffering. And I kept trying to under, this will make me a better Christian. This will make me a better. This will help me. This will help me understand the depths of Jesus Christ. This will make my Christian life better. This will do, this will do something for me. But I think I found out it really, I don't know. I don't know how much it actually did for me. And then part four of the book is the final section focuses on the process of transformation and purification of the soul. Guyon emphasizes the importance of self-examination and the surrendering of all attachments and desires to God. She teaches that as the soul is purified, it becomes a fitting vessel for the indwelling of Christ. Overall, experiencing the depths of Jesus Christ offers practical guidance for individuals seeking a deeper experiential relationship with Jesus Christ and encourages a contemplative and surrendered approach to spirituality, emphasizing the importance of union with God in every aspect of life. Now, again, the book. was published in 1685. 1685. Here we are in 2024, and the book is still being talked about. The book is still being read. The book is still influential. Some call it one of the greatest you know, spiritual classics ever written. I don't know if any of that is even true as far as being the greatest. I don't know if we can ever say that. That's very subjective. That's marketing more than anything. But the book has shown up in my life over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But if you think about it, it wasn't probably the first book. Definitely has not been the last book. In fact, if you think about it. Now, I I could be wrong. Back in the day, I would be like, hey, everyone tomorrow, go to the Christian bookstore and look around and tell me what you find. But 
we don't really do that anymore. I guess you could look at on an Amazon in the Christian book section. You could look on Christian book distributors in the Christian book section. You could look online. But I want you to think about how many Christian books are marketed in a way that seems to imply this book will help you go to a, and now they may use different language, but it implies this basic concept. You can get to a deeper relationship, a deeper union, a deeper understanding, a, a more committed Christian life. This is the book that will help you. You will enter into a new dimension. You'll find your breakthrough. You will experience power. You'll experience revival. That, that, that Christian books are constantly published, that this book has the key, the secret that will get you to that next level, that next phrase, that next phase, that next part, that next, ne- next something. Which seems to imply to me that millions of Christians, I mean, it has to work somehow marketing. I mean, they'd use this somehow for marketing. And there has to be at least a lot of Christians who feel like I need something else. I need something more. I need need to experience something else. And, And which tells you, well, why? What, what, I mean, it raises the question. I don't know if it tells me anything. It raises the question. Why are so many Christians living almost in quiet despair, wanting something deeper, longing for something more, needing a breakthrough, needing a revival, needing a, a ne- another stage in spiritual growth? They, that there, there's always something missing. Why, why is it there that, that all these books, I mean, these books are sold and published in the Christian world. Are they, the marketing for many of the books in the Christian world, it's very much like marketing on television. Like everything on television, all the commercials is you want this product because it will make your hair better. It will make your teeth whiter. It will make your face less wrinkled. It will make you this. It will make you that. It will make you this. It's always like, this will make it better. This will make your party better. This will make your day better. This food is better. It's all always like, you've got, whether you know it or not, you don't have the best. You don't have what you need. You need this to make everything better. Well, the Christian publishing is the same way. Hey, you may have Jesus. You may have Christianity, but you need more. You need this. You need this. You need this. This will, the prayer of Jabez will revolutionize your prayer life. The purpose-driven life will revolutionize your life. Experiencing God. Remember that book? This book will revolutionize your Christian life. How many books are are, are you told? This is it. This is the book that's going to change you. This is the book that's going to transform you. This is the book that's going to take you to someplace you've never been before. This is the book you need. This book will change your life. And then you'll get those glowing testimonies. Remember all the testimonies about the prayer of Jabez? How that book revolutionized their life, changed their life, changed their prayer life. It was a Amazing. Of course, then everyone just kind of moved on to the next thing, how the purpose-driven life did it, how you just name the book, you know, the shack, uh, just whatever book it is. It's always this book is, oh, oh, it did it. And it's like, so why do we always need something else? Why is it that we are never seemingly satisfied? Why do we always need the next big thing? Why? We need this conference. Because it's going to revolutionize your Christian life. You need this book. You need this sermon series. It's, it's going to do everything. It's going to be the thing. In fact, if you search, I'm, I'm looking around at all the Christian books laying around me. And if I start picking them up and reading the you know, jackets and the marketing on the book covers, I, I guarantee you they, they, they all go with something along those lines, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, this is maybe not, okay, well, here, here, this book is called Come and See the Journey of Knowing God Through Scripture, which we were going to do something with and we never got to. I need to get to that as well. But and just immediately on the back cover, the way it's promoted, the church is in need of in, uh, integrative approaches to reading the Bible, approaches that emphasizes information, doctrine, and transformation. This is what that book is all about. See, the book needs something. The church needs something. It needs uh, an integrative, an in, in, integrative approach to reading the Bible. 
Uh, let Pennington guide you to a better reading where knowing God will come to life not only in your mind, but in your whole being. See, this book is going to help it all come to life in our whole being. It's selling it like this is the book you need. This is going to make it work. That's how Christian books are marketed. Why is it that we feel we need something else? Why Why do we feel like something is missing? Why is it? Why is it that we, we get saved and then we kind of like then live lives of quiet desperation where, well, yeah, I mean, it's great, but I need something more. I need to experience the depths of Jesus Christ. That will get me. That will get me there. Oh, I need the, I need the purpose-driven life. I need, oh, I need it. I need it. I need a book on how to study the Bible. And we always, can we go from one thing to, and do, do, do they ever get us to where they promise? I don't know. Have you read Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ by Madame Jean Guyon? Have you seen the book? Have you any encounters with the book? Have you any encounters with people who told you this is the greatest book in the history of humankind? And if you read it, your whole life will be transformed forever. What do you do with Genesis chapter 17, where it says, walk before him and be thou perfect? If I go to the book, if I go over here to my, if I go over here to my Kindle, There's the author's preface. All right, we could read that. There's probably much right here we could we could get into. But if I just go to the first part, chapter one, the prayer of the heart. All are capable of prayer, and it is a dreadful misfortune that almost all the world have conceived the idea that they are not called to prayer. We are all called to prayer as we are all called to salvation. Prayer is nothing but the application of the heart to God and the eternal internal exercise of love. St. Paul has enjoined us to pray without ceasing, and our Lord bids us to watch and pray. All therefore may and all ought to practice prayer. I grant that meditation is attainable, but by few, for few are capable of it. And therefore, my beloved brethren who are athirst for salvation, meditative prayer is not the prayer which God requires of you, nor which we would recommend. That's kind of interesting. Let all pray. You should live by prayer as you should live by love. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire that you may be rich. This is very easily obtained, much more easily than you can conceive. Come all ye that are athirst to the living waters, nor lose your precious moments in hewing out cisterns that you that will hold no water. Come ye famishing soul who will find not to satisfy you. Come and you shall be filled. Come ye poor afflicted ones bending beneath your load of wretchedness and pain and you shall be consoled. Come ye sick to your physician and be not fearful of approaching him because you are filled with diseases. Show them and they shall be healed. Children, draw near to your father, and he will embrace you in the arms of love. Come, you poor, stray, wandering sheep, return uh, to your shepherd. Come, sinners, to your savior. Come, ye dull, ignorant, and illiterate. Ye who think yourselves the most incapable of prayer, you are most peculiarly called and adapted thereto. Let all without exception come, for Jesus Christ has called all. Yet I lose not those who come who are without a heart. They are excused for there must be a heart before there can be love. But who is without a heart? Oh, come then, give this heart to God and here learn how to make the donation. And then, well, it continues on and there's much there. Now trying to process everything in it. Like, okay, how do I get there? How do I get there? How do I get there? How do I get to this thing? How do I, how do I experience this? We could ask ourselves, does the Bible 
articulate or outline that there's like these stages wait like you're in stage one of the christianity now you're in stage two now we do know there's we we could talk about being carnal versus spiritual right though those seem to be different babes in christ versus being mature so maybe the bible itself would outline that there's these stages why is it that I think most of us find ourselves at times feeling like we need something more? I, I just wanted to turn on the microphone and at least tell you about the book. Point you to it. If you engage it, I would love to get your thoughts. Now, remember, you're going into a book that is by no means like there's, got, there's still logical problems in it. I mean, like you, you have to realize that, right? You have to. You have to perceive that. But it's a book that has shown up, at least in my life, over and over and over and over and over, and shown up in, well, many people's lives. It's considered a classic by many. And it has transcended denominational lines. Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ by Madame Jean Guyon. I I don't know if we're going to do anything with it this year. And what I think what I may do, instead of trying to like do something specific with it, is just I may try to work through the book this year on my on my own and then just grab different parts from it and say, hey, remember that book I told you about on that January night, January whatever night it is, January the 25th, uh, close to 10 p.m.? Remember that book I mentioned? Well, I've been reading it and here's here's this paragraph. Here's this line. Here's this quote. What do you think about this? What do you and and not, instead of necessarily making it a series, I think that will be more advantageous and better. You let me know what you think. I would love any interaction you've ever had with the book, any any encounter with it. Let me know. You can email me news. If at yahoo.com. That's news. If at yahoo.com. News. If at yahoo.com. There's my long journey with a book where I've never really gotten past much. I've never gotten far into it. But that concept of going that next level has always stuck with me to some level, pun intended, yet it's kind of shown up in Christianity in general. Who knows how to actually get to that next level? Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.